This is iFanboy Special Edition Dark Phoenix. Special edition Dark Phoenix. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and joining me, drawing the short straw, Paul Montgomery. I I am here. <laughs> so, I fanboy wasn't sure if it as a group was going to cover this film. Our enthusiasm has waned for these films. There was serious talk about not doing it, but then we realized that a we should probably do it. It's the culmination of this 19-year film series that started it at all. And also, yeah. our first special edition podcast ever was X-Men The Last Stand. That, okay. It felt like, you know, we should do it. So, the call went out, and only Paul was able to come and see it with <laughs> I me. Mean, Although, I bet you, I bet you the others were free. <laughs> Ryan said that he would have taken the bullet if I hadn't stepped in the way i i don't know but i think just the way you in the email you were like you know we were we weren't going to do it but then like thinking back on it it's the last one <laughs> and you know this series it's like it you know for for where it's ended up where it started mm-hmm. is an incredibly important thing it is important and it's important to talk about how it, i mean there is a group of people who believe that blade is the starting point i don't agree with that because there was no cultural relevance to Blade. X-Men, when it came out, was a cultural event. It became a cultural event that led to all these movies. Blade came out. It did well, but it wasn't like... It was in the the horror genre. Like, it was in that box. Whereas X-Men was was an evergreen thing. Um, Blade was important, but it was also not culturally relevant in the way X-Men was. And I think that's why I think X-Men... Blade was cool. Yeah. And it and it got and it sort of got I think got a lot of people interested, but like X Men, like that movie got me back. X Men and X Two, I think when both of those came out, and, and in combination with the first Raimi Spider Man, that's the stuff that got me back into comic shops. Like, what's right. going on now? Like, uh, a- after the hiatus, you know, of you know, I was a kid and I was in the comic shops and interested in stuff, and then, but these were the movies that like had me like going online and and looking up like what's the deal with these characters and what's a good place to start reading this stuff and ultimately led me to iFanboy. So I I consider it, you know, like a huge part of my life. And so it's 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 weird that we've gotten to a place where like are we going to see this one? And you know, it's 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 important. This is there's been 12 movies in this series. If you mm-hmm. I mean uh you know, going back to, to 2000 Does, but- is that counting the Wolverine movies or no? Yeah, it counts Wolverine and it counts Deadpool because yeah. they're all in the same world. So Okay, sure. X-Men was 2000. X2, X-Men United, I believe was the full title, was mm-hmm. 2003. X-Men The Last Stand, 2006. The first tease of Phoenix should right. be noted. And we will, we will get back to that when we talk about the film itself. Uh, X-Men Origins Wolverine, 2009. X-Men First Class, 2011, which sort of, it sort of rebooted this series in a way that is irrelevant to this film. Then The Wolverine, 2013, X-Men Days of Future Past, 2014, Deadpool, 2016, X-Men Apocalypse, also 2016, Logan, 2017, Deadpool 2, 2018, and Dark Phoenix now. So did you see every single one of those in theaters? 
In theaters, no. Okay. No, I didn't. Yeah. Did I? Of, well, of the so the mainline one. No, I didn't see I've, the Wolverine. I've seen all of them in theaters. I saw. Okay, so I saw the Wolverine. I didn't see Logan in theaters. Hmm. And I didn't see Deadpool two. But otherwise, I've seen oh, and uh, the, the the first X Men Origins one I didn't see in theaters. So this film is the final chapter for this particular group of characters. Now there is another film, The New Mutants, which keeps getting pushed back and pushed back, and it's now in limbo because yeah. Disney bought Fox, and Disney's going to reboot the X Men in the Marvel Universe. Most likely, they just haven't said it outright. So what happens to the New Mutants? We don't know. It's still slated for next year, but. I would also not be surprised if it never came out. So yeah. we're not going to worry about that right now. And this is the end of the main X-Men character story. No Logan. No Logan in this one. That's important. First time, no Wolverine. No Wolverine of any kind. Written and directed by Simon Kinberg. Simon Kinberg, who has been the producer on this series since first class and has been a writer for many of them going back to X-Men The Last Stand, which, as Paul mentioned before the show, which means he's done the Dark Phoenix saga twice now. Or at least a version of the Dark Phoenix Saga twice now. This man has had to abridge his version of the Dark Phoenix Saga, or like compromise on how to bring the Dark Phoenix Saga to the screen twice Crazy. in 10 years. Yeah. Uh, well, the last stand was 2011. So 13 years. In 13 years, he's done it twice. Okay. okay. Wow. It stars the actors from the first class reboot, sort of James McAvoy as Professor Xavier, Fastbender as Magneto. You got the X. The X relation, so it's Charles, Raven, Magneto, and Hank. I would say, right. Those are the mainstays main. since Jennifer Lawrence in it more than I thought she was going to be. I really thought she'd be dead in the first five minutes, but she was in it for at least a half an hour. I think she, it's the end of the first act where yeah. she dies. Spoilers, by the way. Sophie Turner, Sansa Stark plays Jean Grey, the titular character who doesn't even get top billing. So this is the second time she has played Jean. Ty Sheridan is back as Cyclops. The second time he has played Cyclops. Alexandra no. Ship as Storm. Evan Peters, woefully underused as Quicksilver. We'll talk about that. Cody yeah. Smith McPhee as Nightcrawler. And star of my nightmares now. <laughs> and the newcomer to, to the film, really curious as to why she's in this movie. Jessica Chastain plays Vuck, the alien bad guy in yes. the movie. And I think. My first question is, why is she in this movie? Yeah. I, I don't know if she like was like talking to friends and was like, hey, we're having fun doing these MCU movies. You should be in one. And then they came to her with this, and maybe she thought it was one of those. Because, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I have to believe she signed on before she saw the script, such as it was, because if she, I don't know what she saw, what she would have seen in the script. I'm I'm a big fan of Jessica Chastain. I have a big crush on Jessica Chastain. I felt very bad for her in this in this role. This is a strange film. It is. <laughs> Basically, the story is the X Men are at this point superheroes. It's 1991. It's 1991. Well, it opens with a with a story in '75 in which Jean's right. powers manifest and she kills her mom in a car accident, and then it gets taken to the school. So then. Uh, jumps to 91. The, the X-Men are superheroes. Professor Xavier has a direct line to the president, kind of like the Bat Phone, and the space shuttle Endeavor goes into space, but it, it gets 
a weird anomaly in space disables it. So the professor calls Solar the X Men. They jump into the the the, the, the I was going to say the X Wing, not, not the Quinjet, the X Wing, and they fly into space and save the astronauts. And in the course of doing that, Jean Grey absorbs the Phoenix Force, which was the force that disabled the ship. Meanwhile, a bunch of aliens land on the planet. One of them takes the form of Jessica Chastain after killing the the woman who she is really, and starts hunting the uh, Jean Grey. Jean Grey slowly turns evil with the Phoenix Force controlling her powers, and thus becomes a race to save Jean, both from the Phoenix Force and the aliens. Although race, I use race loosely. Mm. You weren't on the X-Men Apocalypse show three years ago. That was me and Mike Romo and our old co-host Ron Richards, who's our resident X-Fanatic. Right. I don't know what you thought of that. Didn't like it. I thought it was aggressively bad and aggressively boring. I thought it was one of the biggest, well, you think X, X2 to X2, to Last Stand was a huge drop in quality because X two yeah. at the time was one of the peak films. I, th- the I think I think I still think well loved, but like that was like one of the high points. That, yeah. that was like the high watermark for superhero comic book adaptations. In this sort of post first class era, I really like. Th- I think it's not universally loved, but I really like Days of Future Past. Oh, that that's one of my favorites. I- when I walking out of the theater, I thought, okay, they should have, they should have just killed this at the Days of Future Past because that right. that film A was really good and B yes. did the classic comic retcon that sort of fixed all of the continuity problems between the movies and that was a great way to be like we're done yes. we're done and unfortunately they kept going because it like literally erases Last Stand yeah and because it made seven hundred something million dollars of course it did Apocalypse Apocalypse was. I thought it really aggressively boring and really really, kind bad. Of really bad. And then I thought this, while not as bad as Apocalypse, was still not good. And still kind of boring. Yeah, I, you know, with your dark feet, you, you you make your own fun. Right. You know, I I was interested in. I think it had some it had some neat ideas, but then it it really squandered them in some kind of gross ways actually cuz i th- i think this movie at the at the the start i thought it might have something really interesting to say about like gaslighting and something really timely to say about that and i think it's it's long been it's omnipresent in the in the x books that charles while well meaning can be kind of creepy oh yeah for sure and his whole relationship with gene is is very problematic and I think they really highlighted that here. But then in the end, she dies, Raven dies, and he gets to retire to play chess. He basically gets the Christian Bale ending from the Nolan Batman movies. Which he, is, he gets to retire to a cafe and play chess yeah, with well, his pal Eric. Here's what I liked about it. Okay. I liked their costume design. I liked sure. the sort of... Very simple retro yellow X over blue. It looked kind of you know looked obviously like Morrison's new X Men cut, but it it worked for me. Mm-hmm. I liked the sequence with on the space shuttle. I liked I like actually from the start of the film up until when they rescue the astronauts. I was like, okay, this isn't that bad. I thought the sequence was fun. Everyone got to got got to do something. I was a little iffy on how their powers work and how space yeah, works they, in this they, universe, yeah. but like other than that, yeah, I was like, okay, I'm, it was kind of cool that Cyclops so had a special place where he he became like the ship's gun. Yeah, I was like, what? <laughs> but I was like, okay. It was also the only time Quicksilver did anything, and I thought that was great. He's a great character, and then he's immediately injured and sidelined, never seen again until the, re- the end of the film. Mm-hmm. So I thought the first part, you know, 
Nightcrawler got to do his bit, saving the astronauts. Gene got to help. Quicksilver helped. Cyclops helped. Storm helped. Like, they all helped. They all did their thing. We got to also use their powers. It was a fun sequence. Hmm. And then I have a hard time finding another fun sequence for the rest of the film. I thought that it sort of peaked early. Yeah, I w- there aren't there there aren't real fun sequences. None of those um those quicksilver moments that stole the show mm-hmm. in his previous experience his previous um, appearances. Right. Like he usually gets like a little music video going and it, it, that totally stole those movies. Like you said, he gets, you know, put on the on the on the bench for most of this. And I guess I don't know. They it's it's sort it's sort of the the Captain Marvel thing with uh, Endgame, where you kind of you have this really powerful character, so you kind of have to figure out ways to sideline them if you're going to do an ensemble thing where everybody gets something to do. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, a character who can do what Quicksilver does, or although when Quicksilver gets taken out here, that's a really good in wrestling parlance. He really puts Gene over mm-hmm. because it shows the Gene. Uh, her her telekinetic powers enhanced by the Phoenix Force can react as quickly as Quicksilver can move. Right. So she's able to you know guess what he's what he's going to do next and is able to stop him and and right. take him out. So that stuff's kind of interesting. I you know the Cyclops becoming a gun on the ship was I was like I, I don't understand what they think Cyclops's powers are, but. You know, it's a force blast in the comics, but in the movies, it's always right. been like a heat blast. You know, he set he set a tree on fire. Even in the good movies, they don't really quite get it's, his it's not super correctly. consistent. But yeah. you're like, okay, whatever. But I, I I like that this sort of so with that scene um, and Raven's reaction to it. She's the elder classman with Hank, and they're out in the field. Charles is not. Charles stays back, but he's you know he's like Monitoring. Oracle basically. Yeah. He's you know he's uh, eyes in the skies and everything, but. They have a scene where uh, I think one of the the biggest criticisms I've seen for this movie is that there is no subtext. Mm. It's joyless and there's no subtext. It's all text. So when someone has a problem with someone else, they flat out state what their problem is. Right. And it can come across as a little hokey. I think Jennifer Lawrence makes it work in that scene, which they've released online, where she says, you know, I don't remember the last time you put yourself on the line. Right. It's putting these kids on the line. And I thought that was very interesting. And then, of course, we lose her at the end of the first act. So that's a major impetus for a lot of character change moving forward. But also we lost one of the more interesting characters in this series and in the early part of this movie. And so that's a shame. And it causes a weird character change for Hank, which I did not buy. This was one of my bigger problems. Mm Mm-hmm. I do not buy that, not even just the Hank from previous movies, the Hank from earlier in this movie, where he's like the caretaker and he's the one who gives Gene the medical checkup, mm-hmm. where he says her power levels are higher. What reading is that? Hey, like, you know, what medical machines. reading is your power is higher? His mutant measuring machines. Your, your mutant levels have gone from an 8 to a 13. Like, what is that? like? So, I don't know, that gave me pause. But no, but... Ha- a big turn in this movie is that Hank goes to Magneto and is like, I want to hunt her down. I want to find Jean. And he's like, you know, I'm going to kill her, right? Because she killed Raven. And he's like, yeah, I know. I don't buy Hank mm-hmm. becoming murderous. Yeah. Even for Raven, who he loves. And that's one of the, the big triangles of this series is the Hank-Raven-Eric triangle. 
Yeah. Which, while not fun, gave me one of the the more interesting scenes, I would say, in the movie, which was when uh, Gene goes to... Are we calling this Genosha? Yeah, because in the credits it was Genosian Guard. Or okay, they don't say it out loud, or you don't. I don't think yeah. you see it in text or anything. No, but it's never. like they have this island that is like a sovereign nation for. It's like a compound. Yeah. For Eric and his island, hippie yeah. mutants. Yeah. Yeah. It was his mutant commune. Yeah, it's 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 their commune and yeah, um, vegetable so, garden. They they were all good. Yeah, and so like Jean goes to Eric and and it's like it's logical. She's like you have done bad things in the past and now you have stopped like you're do, you're making good here what did you do to you know stop that and throughout the scene he's like Who, whose blood is that yeah. on and and like in my head i'm like oh right he's he has really strong feelings for raven right and that would be a very nasty revelation for that was for a Jean's good bring- progression it was just like an interesting. Like it just had a lot of interesting dramatic tension. It did, and when, and when he finally just figures it out and he confronts her, he's like, "I know whose blood that was." Like I thought that I thought that was a good callback. Yeah, that was that was really strong. Mostly because, as I discussed walking out, you know, the top four: McAvoy, Fassbender, Lawrence, and Holt are are good, and they're good as, at those characters. Yeah. So they're really fun to be around. And the, I, Sophie Turner wasn't the worst. She's not great, Jean Grey, but she wasn't terrible. As, I thought she was worse in the last movie. I think she's got to, she's got to be a better actress. Ty Sheridan is sort of a blank slate as Cyclops, not just because he's hidden behind a, a mask the whole time. As I mentioned, Evan Peters is Quicksilver's basically not in the movie. Storm's fine. You're terrified of Nightcrawler, which I totally understand. He is super creepy looking, especially in this one. For the most part, the cast is is a good cast. It's like it's it's one of those things where it's like I feel bad for these people because like you know that like they're and somebody asked me if if I thought anybody was phoning it in. I don't think so. And I was like, not really. I think Fassbender really sold everything he had to sell. Yeah, like, and McAvoy's like, also another really cool good. Like following that that tension sequences on the the helicopter bit. Yeah, where he's basically fighting Gene and, and Gene is like effortlessly like pulling these helicopters down and he's using all of his, you know, every vein in his neck. Yeah. Every muscle, you know, bulging and stuff. And also, how old is <laughs> Eric supposed to be here? That was the first thing I said when I walked out of the movie. I love Fastbender. I think he sells Magneto. He was a great yeah. young Magneto. The problem is, so now we're in 91 and X-Men like comes 60s. out in 2000. So you're telling me in nine years he ages into McKellen? Like, at least give him some salt and pepper. And, and also he's supposed to have been a hair. kid during World War II? Right. Like, that, see, be- I'm not even considering... The original trilogy, but you have to I'm because this is your past. I, well, you know, I know, you, you, I know, you but, flip but back like, and forth. But I main my main thing is like this guy. It's in 1991, and he was in the Holocaust. Yeah, he should be as in a kid, late 50s, early 60s, at the youngest. I thought it would have been cool if he had had the silver hair. You know, yeah. like because you know that's like the image of Magneto in the comics is that he's still kind of young and good looking, and but he also has the silver hair, so you know he was old, he's old. I thought at least give Fassbender the silver hair. And then I could at least buy in my brain that in nine years he starts looking like Ian McKellen. Right. And like either way, Fassbender always looks awesome as Magneto. Like yes. they don't do the full on costume. It's just like an overcoat and the helmet. Yeah. And he always looks like it It would look dumb on anyone else. Right. That, that goofy helmet. But like he makes it look rad as hell. Because he's a really good actor. He sells it. You buy into it's it. It's cool when he goes. It's like it's sort of the John Wick moment where he goes and, and into his room in the commune and he gets the helmet out. Right. 
they're like, all right. And then Jean finally uses the helmet against him and like, and, and starts crushing it later on. And it's cool. Like I, Magneto in these movies is always a high point. I think he's, he's effectively badass. As an there was hardly film. any audience recognition for, for this film. Yeah. Except for when Fassbender showed up on screen. I think everyone loves. I, I have movie. a, I, I I had a weird experience with one this with with this one because I had like a middle aged guy sitting next to me and he was like doing commentary throughout the entire thing. He's like, mm. he's like, oh, he's going to get the helmet. Oh, she's going to crush his helmet. Oh, a train. Oh, a, oh, he he used his magnetism to pull up the train. So he Thank just you. was not just commentary, but just explaining what is happening on the screen. Right, like he's like thinking it out and is like, oh, oh god, it was bad. The only other thing I I really liked was I enjoyed the Dazzler cameo. Oh, that was fun. I thought it was fun. It's it's a subtle thing. They they don't say her name. You just see her performing, and it's like, oh, that's a really good Dazzler. Halston Sage. She was on the Orville. I'm surprised that Dazzler had no lines, considering she was playing the the students' party in the woods. You know, because they're still kids. I got, yeah, they're drinking they, and partying like, in backwoods behind the mansion, and she was playing. She was singing and doing the music. Yeah, when these things, these movies does so well is like the, just the little interactions between. The young mutants mm-hmm. and like the idea that Nightcrawler helps them all teleport out of the mansion to yeah. wherever they are in the woods for this party. Yeah, and like I, did, I like I bought it as a party, of, like a, a multi-age party. Right. They're all drinking uh, fruit juice. You know, it's it's storms doing the ice cubes, and that's cool. That's fun. That just wasn't like that's what you want. That's that's basically all you got of it. So here's my question. If you remove the aliens, does it, the story really change that much? <laughs> um, no, it doesn't. It it the aliens are just kind of there. It's kind of there. It's like a light version of what the, what they did with the scrolls in uh, Captain Marvel. It's just like, what's the point? Like, if they're just trying to save Jean, fighting the Phoenix Force inside of her, making her evil. You basically have the same exact story. The aliens don't actually change anything. Right. They don't have any kind of personality. We don't know what they want other than than revenge on the Phoenix Force. I don't know how they're going to get it. Yeah, it's very unclear as to what their ultimate goal is. And then also, like, how that plays into the wider world. Now, the other thing is that it's almost a throwaway thing. But in the second half of this movie, they initiate mutant internment. Right. Which, big deal, timely kind of thing, which it should be bigger than it is in the movie, to be honest. So there's a a headline that came out a while ago. like Originally, the third act of this movie was in outer space, and then they moved it to a train, which has always been hilarious to me. (laughs) Now, watching the movie, it makes sense why they're on the train and what the train is doing. I actually don't entirely know what they would have been doing in outer space. I'm fine with that because, to me, the, the least alien, the better for this film. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. They made it work, but, okay, this is what happens in the end, okay? Aside from the alien stuff, a train full of fugitive mutants that had been running amok in New York City derails, killing dozens of human American soldiers. Right. Okay? And there's some kind of explosion in the outer atmosphere, this is what humanity would be aware of. This is what people would be aware of outside of the inner circle of the X-Men. Right. But after this, there's no more mutant internment. So they don't, mm. 
they, they never come up with a reason why that problem goes away. And that is a huge problem. This film felt like it was a first draft script. Yeah. And it's like, like oh, a there's some good ideas here, but we need 19th to, draft. We need to figure <laughs> this out. And, and it's just like, it just, it didn't make a whole lot of sense. Also, I know that you can't really freak out about the timeline, even though they made a whole movie to fix the timeline. Right. Yeah. At the end of Day of the Future Past, Wolverine goes to the mansion, which is in 2023. So that's in, yeah. I was thinking about that. You know, Gene is there, Beast is there. Listen, theoretically, Gene could come back. Well, she was flying around the sky at the end of the movie. So to everyone, she is dead. But right. we, as the audience, know that she's out there as this cosmic bird. Right. And she's not even flying in space. She's flying in the, the atmosphere, yeah. the Earth's atmosphere. She's flying around over this cafe, wherever Charles is hanging out with Eric. Paris, yeah. So she could come back and become Famke Jansen. That could explain why she looks like Famke Jansen at the Jean Grey School. Sophie Turner, <laughs> at the Jean Grey School. Like when they renamed the school, I was like, "But she's a, she's coming um, back." Like uh, I was like, Ugh. it just felt like, and I know it. No one wants to hear about the people who didn't write the movie, so write, rewrite the movie. But it just felt like they, they needed to look at this draft and be like, oh, yeah. a lot of this doesn't make sense. And there's too much going on here. And why are the aliens even here in the first place? The alien stuff is just, it's so, it just feels so pointless. Make the movie about Gene and the internment and focus on that, you know, and then you've got a film. I think Eric's Island Commune is an interesting idea. Like, I mean, I know that they kind of keep going back to that well where he's like, I'm going away and I'm isolating myself. And then they pull him back in. But like the commune idea with like this this like community is like is kind of interesting. The fact that Raven is gone now forever is, I mean, I I think that sucks. But like I think they don't entirely explore the ramifications of that for Eric and Charles and Hank. Mm-hmm. But there's like there's stuff here that like you can there there are ingredients here. I don't think it's a good movie. I don't know that no. it's a bad movie. I feel like it's a unformed movie which could make it in itself a bad movie i think apocalypse is more aggressively bad and more aggressively boring apocalypse is really dull and this was this was dull for good portions of it although there were moments of fun so for that reason i have to put it as a as a slight rebound from apocalypse but not that i mean we're certainly not back into x-men x2 days of future past or first class territory it's not that at all is it is so which are we set, so what are we saying uh, of the mainline ones not even going into the like the, the sure. spin-offs wolverine stuff is it so it's like it's it's last stand apocalypse and this are up there for like worst yes right which one do you think is you put x-men in the middle only because of the budgetary concerns it looks like the least impressive when you go oh, back the original to it. x-men yeah sure yeah and you know the frog line frog and the lightning yeah, that was a directing problem. Okay, so I mean, we're not. I guess we're, we don't have to. We're nearing the end of this discussion. There's not much more to ring out of this. So, like, if I'm going to rank them, just the X, the main X Men films, I'm going to say, oh god, Days of Future Past. All I want is just which one is the worst. That's oh, the worst. The worst rank. is Last Stand. Last Stand is head and shoulders the worst. Yeah, it's still the worst because it. It also because at, at that point you had two. Good films, and it, it just took those films and just crashed them into the sea. Yeah, it's ham-fistedly directed. It's ham-fistedly acted a lot of the time. Cyclops just disappears. They kill Cyclops off off screen. Like it's just it was, 
at that point we were rolling, you know, we were rolling uh-huh. and then it just, it just took it down. And then at that point, after that, we had a bunch of really bad ones. So at that point, you know, it's not so, it's not such a big deal. Uh, and that's partially why Days of Future Past is, is a big deal because first class was really good. And then Days of Future Past was really good. So you had two in a row and then Apocalypse again crashed it into the sea. And Dark Phoenix is still, we're still in the sea. Mm. The worst is, I think, The Last Stand for a variety of reasons. And I think the best is Days of Future Past. And that's where they should have ended things. I think we're in agreement on that. I don't, I don't know if, if that is the consensus among, you know, the movie going public or bigger X fans than us. I mean, if we're working at Fox, you and I, and we go, hey, boss, Paul and I decided no more X-Men films, even though <laughs> this one made $750 million, they cut to us holding cardboard boxes out in the parking lot. Like, I get it. That's not the way Hollywood works. They're in the business of making money. But from an art standpoint, from a story standpoint, mm-hmm. it ended on Days of Future Past. Apocalypse and Dark Phoenix add nothing to the equation, only negatives. It, the story for mm-hmm. me starts in X-Men and it ends 14 years later with Days of Future Past. And that's it. Mm-hmm. In my continuity. We don't have to get into it, but I'm so curious as to how and when and what permutation of the X-Men is, or mutants are going to appear in the MCU. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. You know, it's it's inevitable, but what form is it going to be? And, like, is Wolverine going to be, like, the guy again? Or is it going to be more if about I'm doing the ensemble? It, I start with the classic original five mm-hmm. and then tease Wolverine. And then, and then you bring in the next couple characters with the second film, just like the comics, you know? You bring in the new team in. You bring in Storm and Colossus and Wolverine, and, and then you get a mix. But I would clear the decks. But on the other hand, I was thinking about this too while watching the movie, is you've had... 12 films with some permutation of these characters. That's way more than the Avengers, you know? So mm. are people going to be sick of, here's a new version of the X-Men because we've seen 12 movies. Right. X-Men movies. You got to do something just different. Like Spider-Man Homecoming, even though it's the one, two, three, four, five, sixth live action Spider-Man feature film, it feels so different right. from the others that came before it. And not just because they didn't do the origin story. It, it just has a different feel about it. And, and that's the other, but that's the other thing. If you're doing teen stories, do you get, do you mix Spider-Man in with that? Yeah. I don't know. It's, I'm looking forward to it. They've been needing to reboot now for five years. Yeah. Yep. Let's do it. Something interesting, do something different. Before we wrap up, uh, one of the questions we got online before we do the show was, <laughs> Hey, is Ron Richards, your old co-host and resident X fanatic coming back to do the show? And he is not, but he has issued a statement that I will be now be reading as if I'm a, reading a briefing from the president. Okay. Okay. An official statement on Dark Phoenix from Ron Richards. Disclaimer, all opinions contained within a reflective of Ron Richards personally, not those of his employer, Marvel Entertainment, and the greater Walt Disney Company. So here's Ron's statement. Dark Phoenix is the culmination of 20 years of excellent movies, and I'd like to congratulate the team at Fox behind these movies, which represent a cinematic accomplishment ushering in the current era of superhero movies that we've been enjoying since X-Men was released in 2000. That said, in order to maintain my own personal mental health, I am choosing not to see Dark Phoenix at this time. <laughs> After the experience of X-Men The Last Stand, I am not certain I could stand to watch another film adaptation of the Dark Phoenix Saga by Claremont and Byrne. When and if I have the emotional stability to watch the film, I will consider viewing it to come to my own opinion of the film. While I normally enjoy listening to my fanboy family discuss the movies for the same reasons, I will not be listening to this podcast. In the meantime, I will be spending my weekend by watching a combination of the animated pilot prior to the X-Men and re-watching X-Men First Class. Thank you. I think that's wise. Yes. So, also, this was like the fifth time we've seen a version of Kitty Pride like face through a wall. Yeah, 
that made me laugh. Just at the at the end when you get the Jean Grey schools, like yeah. they they always do the thing where either it's like, oh, is that Jubilee or oh, is that Kitty? Like <laughs> they've done it like five times now. For the final film, I mean, again, we know this might be maybe one more oddly right. devoid of those sort of Easter eggs. I think only Dazzler was the char- was a character that was recognizable. Mm. And then at one point when they were confronting Jean outside of her house, there was a van in the background that said Bishop Power Company or whatever. Yeah, I saw that too. And that was too well-placed in the, in the frame to not be intentional. So it, I thought it was odd considering like this is their, their last sort of hurrah, this team, that they wouldn't sort of like put in more. Even the old films, when you'd have that school, that shot, you'd recognize a bunch of characters. Jubilee would be in her yellow jacket, you know, like. Yeah. It just was like, like blowing some weird. bubble gum. Like. <laughs> just weird, just weird, just weird and kind of dull and disappointing and. Not really all that surprising from what I was expecting walking in. So, um, do you want to rate it? Oh, one more odd, one more odd and or end. Final thoughts. I thought this was, a, even though she's kind of a, a, a minor character here, I thought this was a really good depiction of Storm. Yes. Like, I think she's just cool in this movie. And, like, she has a, a, a nice moment with, with Cyclops where she's like, I'm going to back you up. She was great. Her powers were, were well used. In, in the battle, she was she was a force. And she was great. Yeah, I, th- I think for as, as weird as that train sequence is, there are good moments of X-Men using their powers. And in a group. Like, working together. And in a group. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, there's it's no fastball specials or anything like that. But, like... You know, Eric. You know, you like he, it's a train. It's made of metal, right. and like, uh, and then the the moment with the guns. Actually, that was kind of a, I don't know. It's like I'm not a like an action guy, but right. like the thing with getting all the guns from all the soldiers on the and all the guards on the train and like turning them on. Jessica uh, Vuck, what, what the hell's her name? Jessica Vuck. Chastain's character. And just like ripping her to shreds like a Terminator was kind of like, whoa. So there, there's some, you know, and, and the dreadlock tentacle guy is kind of neat. I don't know. I, I'm sure that's a named mutant that someone could recognize and identify. And who is the other telepath? I don't know. Uh, for this um, uh, female telepath in like Magneto's. Oh, right. Second. Yeah. I don't know. See, they didn't. And like when she when yeah. she like comes into the, the room where where he is with uh, like to very attractive woman it was like a very striking shot and like my my audience actually gasped at how beautiful she was yeah i don't know they didn't really name them or it was hard to see who they were i don't know so i think regardless of whether or not the new mutants film comes out and Mm -hmm. Arya stark gets her time in the x-men sun this is the ending of a chapter it's an important chapter Mm -hmm. i've enjoyed many of them so i'm sad to see it end but i'm looking forward to see how Marvel Studios reimagines the X Men, hopefully a little bit closer to the comic book roots. And yeah. ultimately, over the last 19 years, these films brought me a good deal of entertainment and fun. So I look back on the X Men franchise mostly fondly, despite the fact it's probably a 50% hit rate. <laughs> yeah, I will look back on, on these movies fondly as like a, a weird mix mesh of ideas and something that had me going down rabbit holes wanting to know more about what's going on in comics at the given time or in the past, or whatever, with the X-Men specifically. And this was just, it, it, it was an odd experience going to see this, knowing that a bunch of my friends who are bigger X-Men fans than I am were not, were sitting it out. Strange. That's how much Apocalypse messed it up. Yeah, that's true. And it was like, it was like watching a finale or, or, or something that wasn't meant to be a finale, but you knew that they're already rebooting it like somewhere else. It's it just, it, it was odd. 
it was it was like going to a hospital and seeing a movie. I don't know. Like <laughs> just seeing the X Men on life support and but knowing yeah. that there's a new I don't know, a new future for the X Men somewhere out there in some form in the MCU. So are we star rating this? Yeah, thing? let's do it. Out of five, I'm giving it a two. Um I'm gonna say one and a half. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. I think I'd save one and a half for Apocalypse. But that's not neither here nor there. I'm just thinking out loud for myself. One and a half to two. Apocalypse, I mean, like, this hurt for the, given Jessica Chastain nothing to do, but Oscar Isaac in Apocalypse, that's just unforgivable. What are they doing? They keep casting these actors and nothing. Just make, they make them really boring. <sighs> and, like, at the height of their popularity, like, they're really great, and it's not like they're on a run of bad movies. Like, they're doing right. other great things around this. So if you saw Dark Phoenix, and, hey, you may have different opinions on it that's cool if you liked it great good for you mm-hmm. go tell us at ifanboy.com there'll be a post for this show you can tell us what your thoughts about dark phoenix were if you saw it i believe this is the last special edition movie show for a while i don't think there's anything else anytime soon spider-man mm-hmm. the next one in july so that would be that's that's not too far off no well that's still well i guess it's a month away there's another one in a month so there you go that tells you how, how on top of things i am right now <laughs> And then Paul and I will be back with Ryan to do the Animation Brain Trust at some point soon. Batman Hush comes out. Yep. Yeah, and check out our weekly show, the Pick the Week podcast, in which we talk about the comics that come out every week. I've enjoyed this time talking about X-Men with you over the last however many years, Paul. They're always fun to talk about. That's the thing. You know, even if, you know, they're not always a great movie or a great time at the movies, it's always fun talking about them. That's, that's why st- I was like, you know what, I'll, I'll go see it because I get to talk to my buddy Connor about it. So. And thanks for stepping up and being Win-win. doing the right thing. This will be noted in, in your report, in your file. Thank you. Josh told me I was not allowed to ask any more favors of you for a while. Okay. So you're you're free. Okay. So he said, you know, Paul's earned it. He's earned the right to not be asked any more favors. Like, yeah, yeah, I know. So there you go. And so until next time, I'm Connor. I'm Paul. We're the future, not them, Charles. <laughs> <laughs>